Well, an upcoming state election could change some fundamentals about poker machines in this country. New South Wales has more than 86,000 poker machines and if Premier Dominic Perrottet wins the upcoming March election, they'll be going cashless. And now we we now plan to outline exactly what that might mean. The Perrottet government's yet to reveal the exact details of their policy, but a trial's been carried out in the city of Newcastle that offers clues about what'll end up in the final model. So now an explainer of how cashless gaming works and how effective it is in tackling the problems uh, that uh, are around terrible, terrible losses of money, biggest in the world, actually, per capita in Australia. Here to do that is Dr Charles Livingston, the Associate Professor in the School of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Monash University, and he studies um, uh, gambling issues very intensively. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Can you please explain, you know, just let's start right at the at the beginning. Um, is this just about poker machines rather than gambling more generally in casinos we're talking about? Uh, well, the casinos, after the royal, various royal commissions, uh, the casinos of the Crown and Star have both agreed to go cashless themselves for this type of operation. So uh, it can be expanded in whatever direction you want it to do. I mean, the main debate at the moment in New South Wales is about converting poker machines across the state uh, to operating without having cash in the system, which is obviously an important step if you want to get rid of money laundering because it's much harder to... Uh, launder money if you've got a paper trail or in this case a digital trail. But more importantly, uh, and as Mr Perrottet has been indicating, the trials in uh, Newcastle and, you know, if they're expanded, will include what's called a pre-commitment system. So a pre-commitment system combined with a cashless system will address both the money laundering issue by going cashless and Uh, the harms of gambling by requiring people to set a limit in advance as to how much they're prepared to lose over any certain period. Okay, so let's talk about what it is. It's not a physical card, is it, the cashless gaming card? It's a digital card on the user's mobile phone. Well, it can be either. It could be a physical card, such as your, you know, bank uh, debit card that you use to transact your everyday business. That could be one option. It could be an app on a phone. Uh, it could be simply a code you enter onto the keypad of a machine, but whatever it is, it's an account-based system which requires you to trans, uh, transfer money from a bank account, not a credit account, but a savings account or a debit account, uh, from there into an account carried on a server, on a system, uh, which you then transfer for the purposes of gambling on a poker machine. So, you know, whether it's a card or an app, or simply a code you enter is uh, is relatively unimportant. What matters is that the system allows people to set a limit, to be kept to that limit on every machine across the state, uh, and to make sure that there is a reasonable degree, well, a high degree of integrity as to the identification of the people who are operating the machine. So it makes it a very intentional thing, doesn't it? Yes, what it does is I think it gives um, effect to people's best intentions. I mean, one of the big problems with poker machine gambling is that poker machines are very addictive. They've been 
developed over more than 100 years to become amongst the most addictive machines we've ever made. Uh, and it's now increasingly obvious that this sort of behavioural addiction, poker machine gambling addiction, uh, is probably one of the most intense forms of addiction because it relies on stimulating neurochemicals in the brain directly without the intervening influence of some substance or other. So it's a very powerful addiction. The problem is people say, I'm only going to spend $20, but they go in front of a machine they get into what uh, is called a zone uh, and they just want to stay there. So they'll just keep spending you know, every cent they've got until it's all over because it makes them feel good. And that's why we find poker machines concentrated in areas of extreme disadvantage because it's something that makes people forget about their daily woes. And unfortunately, whilst it makes you feel good while you're doing it, it makes everything worse after you've finished. Now, uh, a couple of other specifics. Patrons cannot load funds into this gaming wallet, let's call it that, from yep. the gaming floor, is that right? Well, that's the intention, I think. If you wanted to, if you want to make this system work effectively, then what you've got to do is sort of have a, an account set up. You put money into that account and from that account, you draw down on it up to your daily limit. So let's say you've got a $100 a day limit that you've set yourself uh, and that's how much you want to spend every 24 hours or the maximum amount you want to spend every 24 hours. So you might have, you know, a, a, more than that in your uh, gambling account, so to speak, but in any 24-hour period, you can only transfer a maximum of $100 from that account into uh, the machine. So in a sense, you're detaching uh, the ability to, to put money into it mm. uh, directly uh, and uh, making it a much more... Um, judge judgment based decision so and what about you know, your away from them what about your on, profit sorry. what if you what if you make a profit can you, can you well it? well there's there's an argument about that but i mean my view would be that if you you know let's say you win two thousand dollars extremely unlikely but let's say you do <laughs> um then that should simply go back into your account and not affect your daily load up limit yeah, so I right. you know you see and then so one, the one, idea is to keep it at that yeah one listener has tony from coburg what's to stop a gambler using multiple cards or accounts to feed their habit once they reach their first limit well, the system has to be set up so that it relies on reasonable identification. So, for example, when you open a bank account, you have to prove who you are. When you want to transfer funds from your superannuation account, you have to identify who you are. You can do that electronically these days and it takes about 30 seconds, but you have to have a high standard of identity uh, identification. So that would be a driver's licence or a passport. And you can only have one account in that name at any one time. Okay, right. Uh, what about... Um the, that means you can't use a family member like a wife, a husband, a daughter, a mother? They, you, you can't draw on them? Well, you may be able to do that. But, I mean, in Norway, for example, which has been running a system like this for many years, uh, when you win, the money goes into your account and can only be accessed by the person who operates the account through their own bank account. So if you put it in the name of your, you know, wife, husband, father or whatever, you'd have to have access to their bank account in order to get access to their the funds that they might win or might not win. Uh, and I think, you know, there are obviously some people will try that on. Uh, but in reality, I think if you've got a photo-based ID system uh, and the system twigs that you don't look like you know, your wife, then <laughs> at some point you are going to be detected and uh, that, can't, that account will be cancelled. And I should just, where do you apply, like who issues this card? Okay, so, you know, there's any number of ways you could do this, but uh, one way would be for it to be tendered to a non-government actor who uh, 
you know, meets the requirements specified, the, the technical specifications and the functionality required of, by the government in specifying how the system will work. They will operate a server-based system and develop the software and the hardware that uh, is compatible with operating this system, and the card will be issued by that system. So it'll be like getting a bank card, let's say, and yeah. uh, you would, you know, it can have your photograph on it. Uh, it will have, uh, you know, details of, um, you know, how you change it or what you can do to change the limits. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the idea is that you can reduce the limit at any time, but you can't increase it without going through a few hoops. Oh, I see. Uh, you can. Yes. You've, you've, so there's, there's a supervision if you want to increase it. Well, you can have it as a supervision system or you can simply be asked to wait for 24 hours before it takes effect or 36 hours. Um, the problem is, of course, is that if people are in the grip of a gambling addiction, they may not be thinking quite as straight as we would want them to be. So if you want to reduce your limit, then obviously that's much less harmful than increasing your yeah, sure. limit. Uh, so you could do it straight away. But if you if you want to increase it, then you might have to wait 40 to 48 hours, for example, to see whether it would in, to, to increase it. And in that time, you can just hit the button and say no. And is there any sense of an intervention from other parties like a court or police or the ATO? Well, the uh, the only purposes for which data should be accessible from such a system would be for law enforcement purposes. So obviously, if you suspect that the pattern of use is consistent with that of someone laundering money, then uh, the law enforcement would sort of get a red flag from that, a de-identified red flag, I might add, and could then apply for a warrant to get details of that information, just as they do now with bank accounts and so on. Uh, and so that would be an intervention. Down the track... I think what we need to do is look at the sort of software which is now available, which identifies patterns of uh, gambling which are consistent with those of someone experiencing substantial harm. Uh, and in those circumstances, I think the system should be able to send an automated message saying, this is how much you've spent in the last 24 hours. This is consistent with someone who has a gambling problem. Do you want to reflect on what you're doing? If you do, here's a number, call these people and they'll talk to you about it. Right. Now, Tasmania is already moving to a mandatory cashless system, I understand, with pre-commitment in a scheme that will be in place by the end of 2024. Um, is there anything more about the system there that will help us understand it better? Yeah, well, it's broadly consistent with what I've been describing. However, they have set statutory limits. So there's a $100 daily limit, a $5,000 annual limit, so that uh, people will not be able to set any limit above those figures. And the idea of that is to send a signal to people that if you are keen on gambling, that's great, but we think that if you're losing more than $5,000 a year, uh, that's something that we regard as being simply untenable. And for most people, losing $100 a week on average on a poker machine uh, is probably barely manageable, but possibly not. And um, it's a good signal, I think, to say, well, if you want to gamble more than that, you have to go to the regulator, in this case in Tasmania, and make an application to demonstrate that you have the wherewithal to do so. Wow. Okay, so that's quite considerable. Look, one thing is clear uh, from the research that you provided our producers with, and that is that going cashless on its own won't help those with a gambling addiction. It's the other measures implemented around the cashless system that are crucial. Like, what are these additional... I mean, you've, you've highlighted some of them, but these additional supports, and do you think they will be introduced in New South Wales? Should it get up alongside the cashless system? 
Oh, look, I think the pre-commitment system is the sine qua non uh, at the centre of all of this. I mean, it won't work. And you're quite right. I mean, if you just implement a cashless system, such as, for example, tapping your phone on a terminal against the computer, uh, the uh, poker machine, which is, of course, a computer, uh, then that's likely to exacerbate problem gambling quite significantly. Um, but it's, it's really important that there are uh, systems in place to make sure people have set a limit. And that's not just in terms of uh, money, but also in terms of the time that they want to spend. So the, the system should be able to say, well, look, I don't want to spend more than two hours a day in total gambling on poker machines. And when you hit that two hours, that's it. You're locked out until the next period. Uh, and it should also implement uh, enforced breaks in in play, so to speak. So if you've been, let's say, gambling for an hour and a half consistently on one or a number of machines, uh, then the system should lock you out for a break, say 30 minutes, perhaps 15 minutes, because we know that having a break uh, is, is a really helpful way of uh, inducing people to reflect on what they're doing. When they're away from the machine and out of the zone, as we say, mm. then they're much more likely just to walk away, which we found during the first round of cigarette, uh, yes. you know, nicotine, tobacco restrictions. And Charles, very quickly, other, are other states moving to adopt gambling cards other than these two we've talked about? Well, we've got one in Victoria called Your Play, which is a voluntary system. So unfortunately, the problem with voluntary systems is that no one much uses them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it works. I mean, it works to those that few those few people who use it. The evaluation said for those few people who use it, it's very effective and helps them manage their gambling. I mean, what it is, is essentially a tool to help people manage their gambling. And it works best uh, if the people who don't want to take it up um, are required to do so. It's like a... Uh, I guess it's like having seatbelts in yeah. a car. You may not want to do it, but if you do it, then it massively reduces the harm. Very interesting. Thank you. I, I, that certainly made it clearer to me. Thanks for joining us. Great. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Dr Charles Livingston uh, from Monash University. And thank you for your text on this too. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.